Uh, I want to ask the tech guys, is it okay if, if I put my Bible here rather than here? I'm not used to the big pulpit thing. Is it okay? When Jim emailed me, asked me to, uh, to share the word of God this morning, it was the first thought that came to my mind was this church has had some heavy weights in teaching along. And I'm going to be sitting, standing there looking like, no, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> um, but then I decided... I'm not going to go to preaching and teaching this morning. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to talk about few reminders from the Word of God to us. And I'm going to basically be doing something else at the end that we don't usually do, I think, in church. I'm going to get you involved. You're going to be participating in, uh, in what God speaks to us about this morning. So let me, let me pray for us first. Lord, thank you because... You are indeed worthy, worthy of power, honor, and glory, not only for what you did, but for what you do every day in our lives and the lives of many. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to talk about to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. I'm going to read quickly two passages from the book of John chapter 11, Gospel of John chapter 11. It's a, it's a story that all of us know. It's about Lazarus. So I'm using the, uh, I'm using the ESV translation. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love, remember this very well, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he learned that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. The light is not in him, not around him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Then verse 21 Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who, believe, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe in this? Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that. You are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. I mean, the topic that I want us to look at today is simply what Martha told Mary. The teacher is here and he's looking for you. You know, the last few years have been very interesting, to say it nicely. Changed dimensions for so many things, the pandemic, all the new regulations, how the world is turning out to be, people are afraid of each other. All tons of precautions, and then the pandemic is now phasing out, that's what they say, and then there's a war that's threatening the whole world. Again, the dynamics are changing. They were talking about the other day about flying over Europe and this and that and fear. And people take all kinds of measures and precautions and all kinds of ways of masks and vaccine. But then after we do, we do, we do, sometimes death hits. And when death hits, case closed. We have no saying anymore, we have nothing to do anymore. Precautions can help, things can help, because death finished the job. We have a case here where, that's why I repeated the sentence twice, the one whom Jesus loves was sick, was ill. Remember, I mean, I, I want you just to think the last two, three years of the people that you know of, who left this world into the other world. But Jesus changed the game. And I want to speak about three reminders this morning that I learned from this passage. The first reminder is that Jesus knows us by name. The master is here because he knows your name. Do you know Christian faith? There are 4,200 religions around the world, 4,200 plus. Christian faith is the only place where there's an actual relation, father-son relationship with God. In every other religion, there's rituals you follow. You pray a certain number of times, you pray this way, you don't pray that way, but in Christian faith, there's relationship. If you dig in the word of God, and you don't need to dig a lot, you'll find the many times that God said, talk to me, speak to me, Let's talk about this. In the Old Testament, it's filled with God said, God said, God said. Means that God is very articulate. And he speaks his, his mind very openly, very clearly. And he knows us by name. Remember, on the road to Damascus, he called him by name. He called Saul by name. He called Moses by name. That's his trait. He calls people by name. So he knows them by name. When I see Jim, I call him Jim because I know him. When I see people that I don't know, I don't know them. So this personal relationship makes all the difference. And this was made possible by the sacrifice Jesus did on the cross. 
In just 44 verses in this chapter, the name Lazarus, Mary, and Martha is mentioned 23 times. 23 times in 44 verses, which tells you about the nature of relationship that he had with them. He loved them. She loved him. He visited the family and was with them multiple times. And so many teachings and so many sermons about Martha and Mary, and Mary made the right choice, and then this, and then that. It was the personal relationship that made the whole difference. What difference does it make for us when we talk about that personal relationship with us? We can sing about personal relationships. We can, we can sing about so many things. It's like you have a very nice, comfortable, in this weather, I have to say, warm car, except for Gabor, warm car, sitting outside, ready for you to take you for a long drive. And you decide, you know it's yours, but you decide to take a walk and keep walking for miles and miles and miles in the cold, in the sun. But you know what? I own a very nice car that I don't use. We can talk about the personal relationship that Jesus on the cross made possible. We can talk about the Christian faith. And by the way, I speak always of Christian faith, not Christian religion because our faith is not one of the 4,200 religions in this world. God, Jesus didn't come to create another religion. Because if you go to the list, you'd say, no, we're not, we're not part of this. So personal relationship, knowing by name, made all this possible because Jesus knows you. The book of Isaiah, he says, I engraved you on the palms of my hand. He did that with the nails on the cross. So he knows you. You don't engrave people who have tattoos. They write names of beloved ones. You don't do that lightly. It's the personal relation. Jesus here because he knows your name and because of the personal relationship that we have with him. I want you to, re to be reminded of that this morning. Again, I warned you ahead, I'm not preaching, I'm not teaching, we're not going into theology. And what the word meant in Greek language or Hebrew or this or that, and we're not cross-referencing, we're just looking at this one. The master is here because he knows your circumstances. I asked the media team if we can show a picture of Atlas. People my age, I don't know about the younger generation, I don't know if you remember Atlas. <laughs> this guy who tried to lift the world, it's part of the Greek mythology, mythology in the past, and it's a myth that this very strong, tough guy was carrying the world. Think of yourself and think of Atlas. Keep the picture there for a sec. Think of how many times you want to solve the problem of the world. You want to solve every problem in your family. You want to solve every problem at work. You want to solve everything that goes around you. If you can solve the, the problem of COVID, and if you can solve the problem of the Ukrainian crisis, and you, if you can solve this and this and this, and it's weighing you down over and over and over and over. And Jesus is waiting and he's looking like, what do you want me to do? 
thank you, Jesus, bless me. I'm, I'm going out to do it. And so many times that's exactly what we do. Thank you, I'm done with the picture. Today, stop, I want to ask you and remind you to stop being an atlas. And start inviting Jesus into your life. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about hell and heaven. I'm talking about day-to-day -day life. What differentiates our faith from every other school of thought and religion and philosophy in the world is that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, walks with us every single day, 24-7. Jesus cannot be closer to us more than we allow him to be. He's not pushy, he's not an intruder. He cannot be closer to us more than we allow him to be and more than we allow him to reveal himself to us. That's how close Jesus can be and that's how far Jesus can be. He's at the same distance. Either you embrace him and you let him reveal himself to you, again, I'm not talking about salvation, or you continue to be an atlas. You continue to try and run things the way you want. And guess what? Satan loves it this way. Satan loves it this way because you're gonna be going in circles. And remember when the people of Israel left Egypt and was, were going through the, to the promised land and even God got bored. You know, I mean, stop going in circles, guys. Come on, it's here. One, one of the uh, negotiators during peace talks with Israel at different points, he said something very, very funny, but now it makes sense to me. He said, it took my people 40 years to cross the desert. It took Moshe Dayan, who was then the chief of staff of the Israeli army, six days to make it. Forty years, they're going in circles. And even God got bored, like, guys, it's time to move. I want to remind you today, when this wor world is falling apart, one crisis after the other, tons and tons of refugees, and miseries, and sad things, and all these things happening, God, it hurts God. Part of it is our doing. Because we want to do things on our own. In our marriages, in our lives, in our families, in our work. You know, one of the things I discovered is God is very detailed. Yes, he made the creation. I'm not going there. I'm, not, I'm talking about your personal life. When somebody knows you by name that close, that close, that somebody knows so many things about you. And when we pray, we say, you know, God, you know me, and God, you know about me, and God this, and God that. Good for you. It's general knowledge, but I'll, I'll solve my own problems. No, God knows your circumstances, where you stand, and Jesus is here. It's a choice we make. If we go through the, through the chapter again, when they spoke to him, both Martha and Mary, 
The Bible says twice, his spirit was troubled. He was moved with that agony. He was moved that they're weeping that brother. He was moved that his friend has died. He was moved that they're sad and weeping. He was moved. Do you think that God is somewhere beyond the Milky Way just watching and observing, taking record of how you behave? No. Whether you see him or not, he's involved in your life every day. So the master is here and he's looking for you because one, he knows your name. Two, he knows your circumstances. Three, because death cannot stop him. You can say, yeah, that's nice, good call. Death cannot stop him. I've been praying for my so-and-so and he died. I think one of the successes of Satan, Satan along, the, along the years is making this whole dynamic of relationship look like Jesus and Satan are arm wrestling. Sometimes Jesus wins and sometimes Satan wins. And people are in this mix like, if he can, I have discovered something that I'd like to share with you. Victory is already done. We're not fighting or living or journeying to victory. Case closed. It's about declaration of victory. It's not about who's going to win. No, you go to war and, and you do things and sometimes you're asking who's going to win. No, 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 no. Here, believe me, I'm not, I'm not a motivational speaker. It's a reality. It's, it's what the Bible teaches, and I believe everything the Bible says. I'm one of those who believe that Jesus spoke exactly what he meant. I shared it with the Sunday school class and meant exactly what he spoke. There's no politics in this mix and no, nothing motivational in the mix. We are not journeying towards victory. Victory has been done. Victory has been won. The cross completed the whole deal. We're just journeying, it's a matter of time before declaration. During which, and Jesus was very clear about it. He said, time has been given for evil, for Satan, to do what he likes to do, which is kill, destroy, steal, do everything, which is, think about it, this is exactly what's happening now. And people try to find solutions, and people try to bring peace, and, 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 and the peace, is somewhere else. Death cannot stop Jesus. A friend of mine had a terminal illness and we were praying for him once and he said, he said, you know what? I'm gonna win regardless. If I get healed, I win. And if I go to him, I win. So basically this is not gonna take me down. And he, his whole life changed. By the way, he got healed. He got healed, he leads an amazing ministry. And so, so many times he and I are talking, I'm like, you know, you have to slow down. He was like, you know, I was in the jaw of death and Jesus took me out. Why should I worry? When my time comes, I win again. 
Three reminders I want you to think of. I'm trying to keep the time and not be an Arab. <laughs> Three reminders. Jesus knows you by name. Jesus knows your circumstances and he wants to change it. Let's see, I mean, how many times the Bible speaks about God and Jesus? Say, come on, try me. Let's try Jesus. Today when you go home, list what's bugging you and tell him, Jesus, why don't you deal with this? Let's see what happens. But don't take that prayer back. I mean, when he starts solving things, not your way, don't take it back. Because sometimes he comes out with solutions that we don't like. So three things I want you to know, and death cannot stop him. One thing that really struck me in, in, in the passage we read was when the disciples said, you know, they want you. They want to stone you. They were about to stone you yesterday. Jesus went back. And I realized, Gabor can talk about this. People who work with refugees can talk about this. People like our ministry, the team can talk about this. When everybody runs out, Jesus runs in the opposite direction. When everybody escapes out, Jesus goes in. As body of Christ, we have to go in with him. As body of Christ, we have a role to play. And the other thing, the last verse I read for you is, and another thing that struck me, Martha equally sad, Lazarus equally her brother. They both said that Lazarus died. Four days, he smells. She's so sad, everybody's weeping, the community is weeping with her. But what did she do? She went to her sister and she said, the master is here and he's looking for you. Sometimes we're so consumed by our problems, so consumed by our circumstances, by death, by whatever goes in the world around us. A friend of mine sells the uh, military food packs, which, which like uh, they stay, you can have food that's good for like three years. He said, since the Ukrainian, he, he's making money on this like crazy. He said, he said, since the beginning of the Ukrainian crisis, I almost sold all my stock because people are afraid. It's fear. In the middle of all this, when everybody is afraid, when everybody is worrying about pandemics, and every day there's something new about this, the pandemic that I don't understand. Just to give you an idea, I did two PCR with a difference of 10 minutes. One came positive and one came negative. <laughs> so I took the negative and flew away with it. <laughs> so, uh, and here in the US. So, uh, in the middle of all this, I think we have a calling on our lives as followers of Christ to go out and bless people and say the master is here and he's looking for you. Because he knows them by name, he knows their circumstances and death cannot stop him. These are the three reminders I want us to think of tonight. Now, what are you going to do? You know, Jim spoke of people that we serve, 
and 22, 23, 24 countries, name it, because every day is changing. Growing number of people, DBS groups, God is doing, it's, it's absolutely addictive and, and beautiful to sit and watch God at work. This DBS ends, Discovery Bible Study has to end with an I will statement. And don't give me a generic few words or give yourself like, I'm going to glorify God this week. That's great. Tell me how. With Sunday until next Sunday, what I want you to do now for the next, do we have five minutes? Okay. For the next five minutes, I want you to find the person next to you and tell him what you understood from the three reminders I talked about. That's a typical DBS. That's a crash training now. And the second thing, I want you to think of one practical, measurable action you will do this week. I can think that, I'm giving you an example, I don't know about it. I, I can, you know what, Jim needs a new car. I mean, I can always give the example of Jim because I talk to him and, is it prophecy? <laughs> We can always think and we can form a committee or needs a meal this week. He's not feeling well and we should take a meal to Jim. You can always think about it, pray about it, nag on God's door about it, and Jim will still be hungry for the rest of the week. Or we can decide and say, you know what? Whether Jim is a follower of Jesus or not, whether he comes to church or not, I know about it, I'm going to step up and take Jim one meal this week. Because Jesus changed, it doesn't have to be spiritual. You don't have to baptize people and do the whole thing this week. Think about one practical step that you're going to make this week. Bless people. Tell them Jesus is looking for them. Tell them God is bigger than circumstances. Death was defeated. Think about it. Five minutes and I'm going to be praying after five minutes. Thank you very much. Go ahead, please speak to the person next to you. Better not be your spouse because she's going to make you accountable.
Let me pray for us now. Keep, keep that I will going. And I want to encourage you actually, every time you read the word of God in your personal quiet time, try to come up with one action step. One practical action. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be huge. Start with little baby steps with God and practical ways. How are you going to obey? Father God, thank you for the reminders that you know us very well, that you saved us, you care about us, you love us, you died for us. Thank you because you know us by name. We're not aliens to you, we're your children. Thank you because circumstances cannot hold you and death cannot stop you. We bless your name. We ask that you pour your spirit on this church, on the families, on the leadership, on the plans, on everything they have. And let your name be glorified in this church and use this church for a huge blessing and impact on Memphis. In your name we pray, amen.